Hey folks, today's episode includes frank and adult language. So grab your headphones or your earbuds and make sure no little ears can listen in. Thanks for your understanding and please enjoy today's episode. And hello dear ones. Robert Brzezinski with you again for another episode of New Thought 2020 and beyond. You may have noticed I'm doing a lot of special guests recently and I am really super, super excited for today's guest, uh, musician, songwriter, father, inspiration, uh, minister at heart, all of it. Jamie Lula is with us today and he's sitting right here in studio. We've been chatting and having a great morning, getting to know each other. I've got a great lunch plan to surprise him with later, but uh, we're going to get to all of that. And before we do, you know how we get started. Let's find a place to center in and do a quick prayer. Now, remember, if you're operating heavy machinery or driving while listening to this podcast, please do not close your eyes or at least pull over before you do. And if you are in a space that's safe and comfortable and you're okay with that, go ahead and close your eyes and just join me in a moment. Join in a moment of recognizing the one. Come to recognize that one power, presence, and intelligence that's operating all of life. All of it. Every breath, every furry little creature, every raindrop or rainbow, every snowflake, every blooming flower, every one, every human, every being across this entire planet and beyond is a unique emanation of this thing called God. The one. I come from that place of knowing the absolute unity of all life, that all life is an emanation of the one. Each is a a drop within the wave and a wave within the ocean and the ocean within the drop. I recognize in this moment that from this unity there is born a great vision, a grand masterpiece for humanity, for life on this planet. A grand masterpiece that is painting itself stroke by stroke, brush stroke by brush stroke. A grand masterpiece that is forever creating itself anew according to that creative principle. And I know that's happening right here through this dialogue, through this conversation, through what comes here this day. I know there is a great revelation. There is a painting of a masterpiece. For this is God creating as my life, as Jamie's life, as the lives of each one that hear these words. It's from this recognition that there's nothing going on here except God coming to know itself, God coming to express and create and experience itself. It's from that that I feel a great, great sense of gratitude for whatever unfolds because it's all God. It must all be good. I affirm this truth as I release this word into the law and I just shout it out. And so it is. So it is. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. All right. Well, here we are. Jamie Lula's with me. Now, I want to just start by saying, uh, from my opinion, uh, there's only a few rock stars in the world of New Thought Music. Uh, And there's no doubt in mind you're one of them. And part of that is you are so incredibly prolific. You, um, 
you have been a soundtrack in my life, in my kids' life, um, since before they were born, and you continue to be so. Um, I've got a, a cute little story I want to share with you later about my son when I think he was two. Uh, actually, both my kids when they were real young. But Jamie Lula has a wealth of musical talent. He's got a catalog that fills an entire box in my CD collection. We've had the chance to work together. He tours extensively. He partnerships and collaborates with others. And what I love most about this brother of mine is he's never afraid to say it like it is, to speak truth, to speak uh, a real truth. And whether that's on stage in front of an audience or just hanging out at a teen camp, uh, sitting backstage waiting to go on, wherever it might be, when you meet Jamie Lula, you're meeting Jamie Lula. When you're in the presence of this man, there's no question that he is absolutely authentic, absolutely the real deal. And that's why I consider him one of the rock stars of New Thought. So, Jamie, welcome to the show. I'm Welcome to the house. We're glad you're here. Uh, tell us a little bit. What have you been up to? What's new? What's going on in, in your world? How are you bringing uh, your music and your light into this world? Oh, thank you, Robert. It's good to be here. Um, what's been going on? Well, I'm in Colorado just, you know, for nine days. Um, I got invited to come out to Mile High for Mother's Day. And so I booked some stuff down in Colorado Springs and then went to Crestone, which was just fabulous. The spiritual communities that are there, just it's fascinating. It's mm. so beautiful there. And uh, so I did a little gathering of people up there and Plan on coming back, so I, I, hopefully before the end of the year I'll be back in Colorado. Um, you know, I've been traveling a bit. I've been writing. It's been a. Uh, um, um, I just finished a record, the Orange Album. Right. Um, and uh, it's actually been like a five or six year project. I did it with my old guitar player Gordy Germain, who I affectionately refer to as Gigi, and uh, he just started recording six years ago. So. He said, I need a guinea pig. So we've basically been in a studio just honing these songs that I've worked on for quite a long time. And as I'd write a song, I'd bring a new song in. Mm -hmm. So we finally wrapped it up. It's like he's, you know, developed the skills enough. And, and uh, I really love the record. It's a beautiful record. Um, there's, I think, 12 or 13 songs on it. And, um, you know, I've been I've been also working with uh, Marianne Lewis and Ray Davis, uh, Sheila Nichols, Arne Batson, and Marie uh, Brenda Marie Ager, um, because uh, as part of the music team at Agape, um, Ricky Byers has gone out on her own to do her own thing, and um, we're just blessing her along her way. And she's toured; she was just here a couple months ago. Mm. Um, so I've been doing that. Um, writing with Floyd when I can doing a, we did a show we did a show for the um, the virtual conference that uh, CSL did so March 5th we did a concert at Kulak's Woodshed gotcha. and yeah. uh, I believe that they've archived that show the owner said that he was going to archive it because it was a really great show had a great band that we put together for that um, and um, what that for, going forward in this year I'm still booking out uh, I still have a number of open dates, but Gary and I are participating in a tour uh, in October through November. Uh, it's like a three-week tour 
It's called the Squeaky Wheel Tour. Uh. And um, it is with a woman, um, uh, Janelle Rapp, whose sister Gina was coming out of a open mic night on October 17th in 2000 and went missing. Hmm. And she left three children behind, 11, 13, and 15 years old. And she went missing, and they never found her. Mm -hmm. And I believe in 2007, uh, Janelle um, began this tour to bring awareness because what she found out when she really delved deeper into looking for her sister, what she found out was that there were over a million missing person cases that went unsolved in two, the year 2000. Yes. And I don't know how that's been since then, but think about that. A mis- million people, mm. they haven't found bodies. They, you know, but since she's been doing this tour in 2007, I think that they have found over 350 people as a result of this tour. And they, wow. they will be out on two tour buses okay. uh, that they'll have pictures of, of missing people. people. And people that families of missing people end up coming to these concerts. So we're looking to come to Denver and do an event, um, and I believe it'll be in October because I okay. think our first stop is Orange County, then Vegas, then here, um, and we're going all across the country, um, uh, up to Minneapolis, down to Detroit, uh, Boston, New York, down to Florida, back across Texas and stuff. So it's literally three weeks, and we've got bam, bam, bam every night. We've got a concert, so that's a that's a big deal that Floyd Lewis yeah. is participating in. That is a big deal. Um, that's the Squeaky Wheel tour, folks, and I am just lighting up here as I hear about this. I'm going to make sure that I find out more and keep you informed about how you can participate in this, be involved, support it, show up when it's in your city. Um, and there's a lot you shared in there that I'll share and make sure they're in the show notes for you folks. Uh, a quick recap. So I know Jamie so well, I forget some of the basics sometimes, right? He, he He's a huge member uh, and a longtime member of the music team at Agape International Spiritual Center in California. Uh, has worked with Reverend Michael Beckwith for a long, long time, Ricky Byers, everybody down there. You listed off a litany of names that I just love musically as well. So um, we'll make sure you get the show notes on all of those, the links and ways to get in touch and, and all of that. Uh, so don't worry about that. That'll be in the show notes. You touch on something though, Jamie, that I think is important. And, um, there is a real problem in our country right now with missing people, Mm. um, of all ages. And I, I recently, um, I recently saw a net, one of those Netflix documentaries, Mm -hmm. um, uh, specifically in Humboldt County, California. Uh, and you know, we here in Colorado, we've had bit have this ongoing experiment now with legalized marijuana, cannabis. Uh, interestingly enough, the city of Denver uh, two days ago narrowly decriminalized uh, psilocybin, magic mushrooms, all those things. Now, you're a guy that's lived in recovery for a long, long time, and I've always honored that. You you're proud of it. You're strong in your recovery. Again. When you meet Jamie, you know what you're getting. Um, from that perspective, and, and we didn't rehearse this question, folks. This just came to me in the moment. I didn't even think I was going to ask this. But from that perspective, 
and marijuana is legal in California now where you live. So I'm sure you're seeing it. Um, I'm sure it's everywhere as well. Um, I've heard of uh, Las Vegas where it's almost an open air free for all down on the strip. Um, How's that jive in a world of spiritual recovery? Um, It's interesting because I just, you know, I was just in, in Crestone and was talking to someone about, you know, plant medicine and I think that there's a there's a real distinct difference, you know. Um, as I understand it, Bill Wilson suffered from um, depression for a long time, and um, as I understand it, he chose to do some some work with uh, hallucinogenics to to help him with that because he was told by people. I don't know the whole story behind it, but this is where I go in the context of it. Um, I, a, I'm kind of shocked that it's taken so long for marijuana to become legal anywhere because like I tell my 17 year old son, it's like going to parties as a teenager and, you know, in college, high school and stuff, whenever, uh, alcohol was part of the equation, there was always some kind of altercation, tension, energy going on. But when people were smoking weed, it was like they were either eating or sleeping. (laughs) It was like an entirely different energetic and 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 anybody can abuse um anybody can abuse it so for me in that that context um you know i honor anybody's choice um to do it you know it's like i've been sober for a really long time you know i have a sponsor and if you know i i i work the steps i i i make the calls and stuff but what i also realize is that like with the psilocybin and the plant medicine, the ayahuasca ceremonies and stuff like that, people are are doing these ceremonies not to get high, not to check out. There because there's very known factors that these people it's helping them drop down into their spirit, and and it's like you know what might take them thirty years to, of study and work you know in a spiritual community and meditation and all that. It's like it's like they can drop down into. Mm in a relatively quick way. I don't have the personal experience. I've just talked to people who've had it. I actually had some people um, um, suggest it to me. You know, I've experienced a lot of depression in my life. And in the last few years have have been a little bit tough for me, um, emotional, but um, emotionally and and the healing of a lot of old wounds and and a lot of stuff. Um, And... You know, I think that if people are are doing it with the per the, with the idea of dropping in their spirit, what I always go to is Bob Marley. Every all the Anglo's when he came, it was like you know the Rasta and the big spliffs, and right. it was like you know everybody had this idea it was about getting high. Right. Bob Marley was so devoted to the divine, and his smoking weed wasn't about checking out; it was about tuning in and checking in yes. and dropping down. And and that was the misconception because everything that, I mean, Bob was very political in what he sang about. I think that scared a lot of people. It scared a lot of people, but he was also deeply devoted to Jah Rastafari. I mean, to, to the God of his understanding right. that worked for him and he sang about it. It was actually one of my big inspirations hmm. as a, as an artist because as a new thought artist. And because a lot of what I feel like I'm singing about, a lot of right-wing Christians could perceive it as heresy. 
and it's like you know I'm preaching the devil, right? You know, and and it's like to suggest, and that's why I've become such a big friend of uh, Richard Rohr. Um, yes, because he he's aware, and it's so funny because I just listened to his first podcast um, the other day, and in the intro it says, and we want to make clear right up front that Christ was not Jesus's last name because they were talking about being soaked <laughs> in the Christ consciousness. Yes, and um, so. Man, it's so fast. I could just kind of go off on this, but it's... and let's talk about that, right? Yeah. Music as a voice for social change, a yes. voice, and um, and you um, you touch on something there, right? The heresy that m- many f- fundamental belief systems will yeah. look at and see new thought as the devil, as as heretics. Right. Uh, I know one of uh, we've talked about uh, Gary Gary Lynn Floyd, part of the Floyd Lula collaboration, writing partner, great friend. Mm-hmm. I hope to have him on the show here soon, too, folks, so you can hear his voice. Um, he's spoken about being ostracized from his Christian roots when Southern he Baptist uh, when he came out as gay. Um, well, he didn't it, come out. He or, was out. Or that's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, where and your music has been doing this. Share with that inspiration. So there's some inspiration from Bob Marley. Where does the inspiration come to speak to something higher, to to speak to the, the truth, the social issues, the things that are real that are going on in the world? Um, I grew up Catholic. It's interesting because I consider myself a recovering Catholic as well. <laughs> but what I'm aware of is from the time I received First Holy Communion until I was in my late teens, 17, 18, 19 years old, I prayed three Hail Marys, three Glory Bees, three Our Fathers, and three Eves of Contrition every night before I went to sleep. And so I was essentially chanting. Mm. I hear my phone. No, oh, it's in my pocket. Um, I need to do the Do Not Disturb. I was chanting. So I had this quest. I, I, I had a desire to be a priest as a young man. And... Um, uh, that changed when girls came into the equation and, you know, wanting to be a rock star. And, um, and uh, okay, quiet. I got to <laughs> just turn my phone off for a second here. Um, oh, you would love it, folks. Not only is the new album called Orange, but he's got this great orange <laughs> phone cover as, as well that yeah. absolutely matches the color. Did you borrow the color I, for I, the phone? I think I did. Right I, did. I matched it. Um <laughs> So I have always had this, there's always been a quest for God. Right. And I had an epiphany coming down off of something when I was 17 or 18, probably in the height of my um, drug and alcohol abuse. And what came through was God's not out there, God's in me. Hmm. And we're not right and they're not wrong. And at the moment, at the moment... Um, I was taken aback. I, I, I was like, excuse my French, but I was like, where the fuck did that come from? Because it was, it was not, I wasn't hanging out with people like that. There were no metaphysicians in my life. There was no one that was new thought or anything. It's like the, right. the, the mentors and the, the, you know, the Mecca was, you know, drink and be able to go to work, you know, score dope and get laid. That was like Mecca, you know, the sex, drugs and rock and roll. Yes. And that came through and it's like, I just, that thought kind of like stayed in my periphery. And then, you know, I got to 12 step um, and then I got to agape and it was like, I understand this now. Mm. I understand this. But I, I'd been seeking, I'd gone to different centers. I'd gone and 
chanted with the Hare Krishna and Buddhas and the Buddhists and and uh, I'd even found a Christian fellowship that felt very open at the top out in Los Angeles when I first got there. And it was was invited by a couple really pretty girls and got there and mm-hmm. had a really deep experience, started getting involved with the um, the music ministry in that community. And then they started preaching at, during the first Gulf War. They started preaching end times. And if you don't get Jesus, you're going to hell. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I'm out of here because I don't subscribe to this. It does not resonate with me. Right. And But when I got to Agape... I heard Michael Beckwith's message hmm. and I heard Ricky's music and it was like, I want, and, and there was also a lot of music that I heard in the context of that, that it just felt like platitudes and they'd basically taken buzzwords and tried to create songs. I was like, I wanted to bring better songwriting and, but it just really resonated for me to sing this. And then it became this idea of like, there's gotta be a lot of people like me that have gone through religious dogma that have perhaps been abused by it. And I never considered that I was abused by it uh, by a long shot. I, you know, I was not molested by a priest. Okay. By an uncle is right. another situation. But but um, I wasn't abused rig- religiously. But I, what I was aware of is like the idea of, you know, that God was out there and looking at me and judging me and stuff didn't resonate. And, and I saw a, 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 an article in a newspaper that was talking about the number of Christians in the world and Buddhists in the world and Muslims and Jews. And it was like, wow, how can all these people be wrong? You know, how, why are they going to hell? Mm. And that became the quest. And then when I get into this teaching and recognizing the universal presence of God, of love, of job, Allah, of however you want to frame it is within all of us. And then Richard Rohr was talking about it earlier this week. And it's, it's like, you know, the, the, the universal, the Christ, soaked in the Christ consciousness, recognizing that in the stones, you know, the Christ consciousness is in the stones. And they're anointed just as I'm anointed. And yeah. it becomes more of a reverence for life. And it's like, I wanted to share this message with people and hopefully build bridges because I'm sure there's a lot of people in those communities going, well, I don't really resonate with this and I definitely don't resonate with my my you know right-wing Christian community standing for he who shall not be named and calling him a Christian because it's like this guy is anything but Christian he's anything but holy or you know I know that God is in him but it's like that he's very worldly he's grounded in this world he's grounded in the earth right. and 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 materialism and stuff and it's not what is supposed to be represented in those communities, um, <laughs> truth be told, but like to help people find a way that there's something that's more open at the top that witnesses other cultures and others, others faiths and honors them and doesn't go, well, we're right and you're wrong. You're going to hell and I'm going to heaven because that's hell when you're looking at it like that. So yeah. I feel like I'm babbling. <laughs> well, I, I feel it's important because what I just heard is at age 16, 17, you're already hearing that, that voice, that truth. Um, yes. you're, you're, you're citing lyrics that are going to show up in songs later on in your life. Songs that are pretty meaningful and to a lot of people from my perspective mm-hmm. and that call to, to minister, yeah. uh, as much as, um, now, don't get me wrong, folks. Jamie's built an amazing ministry at, from his music, from his presence, from who he is. And to me, there's a difference between ministering 
and ministry. Um, so, but we're going to leave that there because I could go pontificate on that for a long, long time. And what we really need to do is take a quick break, give our sponsors a chance to check in and say hello, give Jamie and I a chance to grab a quick drink of water. We're going to be right back with you in just a moment on New Thought 2020 and beyond. Hang out. We'll be right back. Today's episode is made possible in part by Daily Spirit Callings, a daily email affirmation, inspiration, and call to action delivered directly to your email. Daily Spirit Callings, a great way to start every day. Learn more and sign up today at spiritevolving.com. And we're back with Jamie Lula and New Thought 2020 and Beyond. I'm Robert Brzezinski. I'm so grateful you're with us today. Uh, I've been sharing here with a dear brother I've known for a long, long time. I've tried to remember earlier. I think the, I was listening to your music early in my uh, introduction to New Thought. And uh, I, I might have seen you somewhere, but I know one of the very first times we got to connect was at a teen camp here in Colorado, one of the winter teen camps. And you were very, very involved in the teen camps for quite a while. And um, I remember you were unscripted in your authenticity with the, with the youth, with the teens. And you brought forth music and song that really touched. Didn't just fluff over it, but somehow reached a little bit deeper into people or gave people permission to go a bit deeper. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us a bit about how does that come about as an artist, as a musician, as, as Jamie? Um, well, first of all, in the context of working with teens, what's always been important to me and what I recognize is that you can't bullshit teens. You can't get up in front of teens and go, oh, yeah, well, yo, what's up? How you doing, dog? You know, I mean, if I get up there and act like an idiot and try to become something that I'm not, man, you're turned off real quick. And I've watched it with people that have gotten up in front of the teens before. Um, I loved the teens. I felt like it was transformational um, work for me to be with the teens. I so wish that I could go back and... And hang out with them again. Gary's been doing music for them for the last couple of years. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think it goes back to when I got to Agape and realized that there was something. There were two factors. I got to Agape in 94, nine months after my father passed. I was in a suicidal depression. And um, I got to Agape. I caught the message. And it was that. God was very real to me and I wanted to, um, it, you know, it, it was my perspective on God and spirit. It wasn't about praising, praise God, all God. I mean, it is all praise to God, but it's like, it's, it's not something out there. It's something from within me mm. and wanting to bring that to life and, and a tangible. And I, I guarantee you, it's like, if you, if you taught me and, 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 uh, any science of mind classes or anything like that, it's like 
you might be challenged because I would not just sit there and go, oh, yeah, yeah, which is what I did in Catholic school, which was what we were brainwashed to do. Right. You just you just agreed. Do not question it. Do not question it because I would question every motherfucking thing. Excuse my French, but <laughs> it's really true. I just didn't I didn't roll over and go, oh, well, that's the truth. I questioned it. I remember. Right. I remember one. And, and but it's like that was just it's me it's like i wanted to you know something's calling me was a was what came out of a prayer with with my now wife but it was just we were just we weren't even dating at that time susie and i were prayer partners and we were praying and something's calling me came through and i in the middle of the call we would we would we did a prayer devotional for 30 days and in the middle of the call she's praying i said you got to stop i got to go something's coming through you know and right. and i wrote something's calling me there were very real questions in my life. I can't write from, I think why it, there may be a resonance is because I can't write from fantasy in my life. I've got yeah. to write from my own life experience, the darkness, the life, the lust, the, the infidelity, the, 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 the madness, the Running suicidal red lights. thoughts, all of it. Right. If God is everything and God is infinite, it's in all of those things. It's in my darkness. It's in my light. And it's like, and how can I bring it forward to allow it to serve those yeah. that have a desire to to awaken, to recognize that they're not alone in the quest. They're not alone in their darkness. They're not alone in the light. And it's not all, you know, it's like we uh, that the saying is like, it's all good. It's all good. It's like, you know. You know what? It is all good, but it doesn't always fucking feel good. It right. doesn't always feel good. It, it doesn't. It's like just because it's all good, it doesn't feel good. And it's like, how can I be with that? Yeah. And that's very real to me. And I want to bring that to this sense of spirituality. So we're not just doing a spiritual bypass with everything. Right. This is real. People have pain. People think of killing themselves. People think of, you know, our, you know, young mothers that haven't slept in weeks because they've got a newborn. Think about throwing that baby against the wall. And the difference between them and the people that actually do it is that, you know, they just, they, you know, with babies, it's like, you, oh, know, yeah. you don't, like a friend explained to me once when William was a baby and I used to, when I was home, I'd go in and I'd, I'd rock him when he'd wake up in the middle of the night. And there was one particular night that he woke up about the fifth time and I got him back down and I went to the door and I put my hand on the door handle and he went, Wah! and started crying and I turned and I said, shut up! And I screamed and he shut up. Mm. And I went in and my wife was sitting up on the bench. She goes, what What happened? I said, I just told, I just told him to shut up. You know? And I, I explained that story to um, my wife's best friend who's like, Chelsea's just been amazing. And she said, you can't understand child abuse until you have a child. Mm. And people don't explain that to new mothers or people that are pregnant that of what you'll go through. They don't give you the truth of what's going to go on. Oh, yeah, man. You know? So she <laughs> said, you can't, you can't understand child abuse until you have a child and you haven't slept in weeks and or you've had minimal sleep and you're exhausted and it's like and you have thoughts it's like i just want to fucking throw this kid through a wall and or, and you can understand how 15 year old girls leave babies in dumpsters or on doorsteps or, or abandon their kids because they're just they're going to do something that they don't want to do right you know so it's like those real life 
situations that come forward that I'm not glossing over. I don't I don't want to gloss over and I don't want I, I I want it's a visceral feeling when I write this music, whether it's something's calling me or you're perfect because which to some people might be light and fluffy, but to me it's not. It's like it's Whitney's seeing the per oh. the, the, the perfection of individuals yep. just as they are in their darkness, in their light. Yeah. So it's for me there's always a balance. And you bring up parenting and uh i remember when my eldest was at that age mm-hmm. and it the same scenario three four times and and there was the the absolute what the fuck do i do yeah, here yeah, yeah, yeah. and um i remember for me i crawled in the crib with her <laughs> that's um, a big crib dude <laughs> um it, it, no it wasn't yeah. um <laughs> it wasn't and uh and the hardest and when and when Reed finally went to sleep. The hardest part was getting back out of the crib. Yeah. Um, and and here's my point. A couple days later, I was sharing that story, uh, and a friend of my wife's looked at me. She said, "And it held you." Yeah. I I was probably running about two hundred pounds at the time. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, "Yes," because I never considered that it wouldn't. Yeah. I never considered that I wouldn't be able to find a way to nurture that child. Right. right. I sense that in your music with your son and, um, and having listened to you raise your son in some ways publicly yeah. in your music. Um, it's, uh, the family journey is incredible. Um, and it's scary. Yeah. And never have I felt more of that. Oh, it's getting really real than in those times. Yeah. Before the show, we were talking just a little bit. Um, there's been another school shooting here in Colorado uh, this past week. The uh, I have a child in, in high school. Um, your son's just, just graduated or just oh, about no, to graduate? he's only a sophomore. Or he's a sophomore, yeah. so um, so just a year ahead of, of uh, Reed. And, um, there's so much. There's so much evidence right now that people are feeling separated Mm -hmm. from that source, from the power, from God. And I know that those two young people that walked into that school and it was their own school. um, One was an adult, but still attending. The other was a minor um, walked into that school and felt that they were so separate from God and so separate from the source of love that that was their recourse. Mm Mm-hmm. As a father, how do you navigate things like those? That how does how how can music get us through that stuff? I think that music is an, an amazing conduit. I mean, you just look how kids listen to music. You know, they got their headphones in. You know, some people are playing games, but even in in the games, there's music in the games. Um, I I was always shocked when I began working with the teens. Because um, I was 38 at the time, and they like loved my music, hmm. and the, so there's a whole generation of, of new thought kids that grew up on my music. I just feel like music is a great conduit. Um, <sighs> music, lyrics, melody, grooves. 
whatever it is, I just think that it's such a great conduit. Um, it becomes like a mantra. And, you know, there's there's that old saying that, you know, a prayer sung is twice prayed. Yeah. So many of my songs are kind of prayers. Um, not always intentionally, but so many, um, so many of the kids have come to me and it's like this music helped me get through this. I had a young woman that attempted suicide um, that was from the Denver area and I got an email. I wasn't aware that she had done it, but I got an email that was like second generation from the girl's mother saying that She'd been in ICU for a week and they felt they listened to my album Something's Calling Me 24 7 while she was in there. They felt like that was the only thing that kept her here. Mm. And, um, wow, you know, I, I just think that it's a there's something about music and it's not, you know, it's not just my music, it's all music that just there's something about the vibration of music, um that can bring people back. I mean, I think about the songs in your life that like the a particular song comes on and it's like you remember that first love, you remember that first loss, you remember that first victory, you remember the 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 failure or whatever it is, songs have that resonance with us. Um and um you know, in lieu of this well not in lieu but in in regard to like this this shooting it's so painful because you know the forces that are are behind the gun lobby um you know whatever however they're framing this that they can't see this it's like i just talked to my son about it because he had he just got his driver's license in february Hmm. i said but do you realize that like i think 18 it's like you can go into a gun store and buy a gun without any training and I, you know, I am a big advocate. I'm not, you know, nobody's coming to take anybody's guns away. But what I am an advocate for is like, you know what? You want to own a gun? You need to earn it. It's not an entitlement. It's not something that you can just get because, you know, the ramifications of owning a weapon are huge. Right. You know, in the in the wrong hands. Yeah. You know, I I loved this one video I saw that like years ago when a lot of shooters were happening. And there was the um, a YouTube video, and it was all these people, and it's like why why most people shouldn't own guns. And there was this one guy that was like doing this like with his computer and doing this um, recording himself, and he's got a big old gun and stuff like that, and he's acting all gangsta, and he's got a he's got a wife beater on, and he's like, yeah, it's like you know I bust a cap in your ass, and you know I'm then he's just like talking like this and then all of a sudden he holds the gun and, and it and it fires and he goes and it's like it's like oh, oh my god my mom's gonna kill me like oh my god my mom's okay. gonna kill me but it's like that's the consciousness the con you know my dad was a hunter my dad owned a lot of guns but he was very responsible from the first time that we ever saw a gun or held the gun. It's like, you know, you open the chamber, you check it. You never point it at anybody that you don't plan on on, on hurting. I mean, you know, you just don't point it at anybody, you know. Right. And, and we did gun safety. We did hunter safety before we could ever go hunting. So I was like hi- highly aware. If anybody ever came in the field with my father and they'd never hunted with them before, my dad would say, 
you know, we're glad to have you here. Here are our rules. This is what we abide by to make sure that everybody's safe in the field. If you can abide by these rules, you're welcome to join us. And if you can't, there's your car and you're not welcome, you know? And I think that my father would look at it like the whole gun safety. It's like, by all means, they should have to go through X amount of training. They they have to go through through gun safety. They've got to get a license to do it. Insurance. Insurance. They have to, you know, they perhaps have to, you know, like we have to do with our driver's license. Every few years, you've got to do a background check. Is there any mental thing going on? Because it's not about taking the guns away from the, the responsible gun owners because that's the vast majority Right. Gun owners exactly. are, are responsible. They've got their guns locked up. They've got locks on their gun. They've got them in. They've got them in safes or whatever. They they educate their children. You know, they're not just out flaunting them. You know, like the open carry thing. I think is is such utter bullshit. You know, it's like people walking around with guns. It's like okay. It's like okay. It's kind of like you know. It's like <laughs> oh, you think you got a big Johnson because you got a gun in your pocket and you're all bad and stuff. I just disagree with that, you know, but that's the energetic, that's the culture that is, is, is being created um, in our society that I just, you know, I, I think the vast majority of, of gun owners, my perception, the vast majority of gun owners would agree that, that people being licensed and having to be educated before they can own a gun and prove that they can be responsible, prove that, they, you know, that there's not any mental thing going on. Right. Um, you know, it's like it's it's a it's a big thing to choose. But like the NRA, it's like you know, I really don't care if the NRA hears me. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me because it's not. I'm not saying no one wants your guns. They just we would just want responsible gun ownership. Yes, because that's not what not what happens. I trust that you know the kids that went in and did the shooting, whether it was in Columbine 20 years ago or any other shooting. Um, since then, we're not, I won't say that they were all mentally ill, but it's like, it's become like the Wild West. This is how we solve our problems. Right. We bully people. We can just I can go bust a cap in your ass, you know? And still, yeah. we have like inner city kids. It's like these shootings happen, but how many inner city kids and people get killed that we don't hear about, you know? So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The, the, the. It seems it's prevalent now. Yeah. To to just wow, and I I find myself every time there's a, one of these stories, and um, it's kind of like, oops, you know, politics and politicians say, well, today's not the day to discuss anything right. because it's all about our thoughts and our prayers. And to me, that's the biggest spiritual BS. By it, yeah. that's a bypass if there ever was one. And that's the NRA. Uh, that's the gun lobby. That's that's speaking there. Exactly. So what what day is it to right. right, folks? When is the right day to have the conversation? I believe it's today. Right. I believe it's every day, and every day we have to keep having this conversation. What does it look like to to be a responsible gun owner in the United States of America at this time? I think it's going to be another hot button issue in 2020. It, I, I think we have to make it more prevalent that everybody wants responsibility. It's responsibility. And it's not an argument. It's a conversation. It's a rational conversation. Yes. It's about, it's, it's not about, nobody wants to take anybody's guns away. We want the people that own guns 
to be responsible. And there's no reason for anybody to own automatic weapons. It's certainly not hunters. It's like, because you're not going to, you know, if you can't hit yeah. a deer with one or two shots, it's like, then, you know what, you don't deserve you're it. Really, but you're, you're probably not this, dragging it back yourself either. Well, so <laughs> Yeah, because you need a couple people because you'll blow it apart, you know. But it's it's like, it's it's responsible gun ownership. It's mindfulness. It's consciousness. You do, I don't believe that you there's an entitlement to own a gun. gun. I think that that's the biggest bullshit that's going on in this country because of the you know the, when the, the the constitution and the amendments were 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 written you know you could you it's like you know once every two minutes you could take a shot you know it's a single right. single load and it's a ball and you got to put the the powder in and you got to do all that it's like no not not with the guns that we have today. There needs to be responsible gun ownership. There needs to be accountability. There needs to be people need to go through the same process that they, they to drive a car, right. you know, because drive just driving a car is is not an entitlement. It's like you got to pass, and it's like they should be passed for gun ownership, yeah. you know, and 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 it's like being able to go into a gun show or a gun store and buy something immediately. No, you know, there should be a waiting period and there should, and the background check, it's like, if you're so worried about someone, you know, looking in on your life, then, you know, there's a good reason, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> good reason. We ought to be, somebody should be looking, you know, um, this, this is a, a very rich and great conversation. I, um, I, we want to keep things moving for you here, folks. Um, but we've come back to a guiding principle on this show, personal responsibility. Mm hmm what is your personal responsibility either as a gun owner or as a non-gun owner to bring forth a, an experience, an opportunity for there to be all sides, every perspective, because we come back to that, that basic core tenet. It's all God, mm -hmm. no matter what it is all God. So those two folks this week that walked into that school, the guy that's going to walk into a school next week, there's still God in there. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's our work as, as leaders, as just beings on the planet, to look to see that, um, not to condone the, the, the behaviors, not to justify, but to see that there's still a light that can shine and inspire and bring that person back into a sense of wholeness, back into their sense of oneness. So we're going to take another break real quick and give our sponsors a chance to check in. We'll be back with one more segment with Jamie Lula. Hang tight, folks. New Thought 2020 and beyond. More coming your way in just a minute. Today's episode is made possible by a generous donation from Spirit Evolving Ministries, Learn more about Spirit Evolving at spiritevolving.com. And we're back. Let's continue our conversation with musician, writer, singer, all-around guru, great guy, Jamie Lula. It's interesting because, you know, what's going on in our country now Um with he who shall not be named. Um, all the energy and the negativity and the and the, the name calling and the bullying and all that stuff, if you turn that around 180 degrees mm -hmm. and he's coming from a place of consciousness, you know, right. it's an entirely different story. 
people are galvanizing their energy and coming together. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you look at, you know, um, you know, my wife is Jewish. I think that, that you know, that they, that they lost family in the Second World War and the, you know, um, to Hitler and stuff. But if you look at Hitler, once again, you turn that energy around 180 degrees right. where he's galvanizing the energy. He's recognizing, not looking at the Jews as uh, as as um, the opponents or that there's not enough, but it's like galvanizing the energy and the intelligentsia of and the creativity of the Jews and, and, and coming together with that community to galvanize, to take and make a better country, to make a better world. It's an entirely different. It's an entirely different history that's come down. Like what happens yeah. if that energy? Now on the other side of that too is like, you know, his soul's journey. You know, he who shall not be named journey and his soul's journey is coming in to awake and arise and and bring an awareness to saying, yeah, this this we don't want this to happen. We don't agree that this that our our our, our commander in chief should be talking this way about people or treating people this way. It's like, you know what? It's like, it's one world. It's one mind. It's one people. And it's like, how can we, it's like, how can we leave this place better than we found it? And it's not about excluding people. It's like, we don't have an emergency down. The only emergency down at the border is the, is the, the attempt to build a wall. You know, we tore down the Berlin wall. It's like the only emergency is the fact is if we do build a wall, build another you know, one and yeah. it's because we're not we're not about wall building it's like how can we find a way there's enough for everybody how can nobody's and those people aren't taking they're not rapists and murderers they're actually tax-paying citizens you know yeah there are some bad seeds that come through but it's not the vast majority right you know they're not coming in to rape and pillage just, you know, like, not the, the, well, just like guns. It's not exactly. the vast majority that are irresponsible. Right. It's not right. the vast majority that are irresponsible. Right. In we're looking towards the responsible people. So I think you're you know you're you're making an absolutely huge point. From the day one that I walked into a new thought community, I was always taught you can't pray against what you don't want. Right. You got to pray for what it is you do want. Right. And right now, there's still a lot of galvanized energy yes. around well who which candidate can beat right. 45 who can who can beat him and were from my perspective the the great field that is called democratic politics right now uh is awash in this giant conversation now there's count 20 some plus people that want to be a part of the conversation right. that are saying hey I've got an idea here. Interestingly enough, I've started to see reports that perhaps the meddling that happened in 2016 is already happening within to turn Democrats against each other. Yes. To, to, to split the voice in such a way that... So here we are. The people that I believe have the best chance to change the world and to change American politics are already starting to tell us why everybody else in the field is no good. Right. There's a handful. There's some that aren't. There's a lot of people that are bringing forth some great planks in their conversation. Um, Marianne Williamson did make the debates. She has received enough uh, signatures. She'll be and donations. She'll be. There'll be a new thought voice in the in televised in the debates. Mm -hmm. 
other candidates are, are swapping uh, policy points. Everybody's starting to look a little bit alike. How do we start to, to, to how do you, who do you like? How do you start to look at, well, not who can win, but who can galvanize a message? Right. right. And is that message love? Is that message peace? Yeah. I think it's a really interesting we were talking about this earlier before we started um as a culture and probably like most cultures it's like what people are mostly voting for is someone to just take care of it so i don't have to be responsible for it right and i think the truth of the matter is is that you know we as a nation uh myself included need to be more accountable it's like we can't rely we can't we couldn't rely on clinton we couldn't rely on reagan we couldn't rely on obama or the bushes or 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 he who shall not be named it's like we can't rely on those people and for me this is this is the big thing for me it's like we got to get the house and the senate to move beyond their their partisan politics and just just moving in the direction of their own agendas. And it's like, okay, let's get back to work for the American people, period. Amen. You know, the fact that they came in and McConnell and those guys came in when Obama got in and said, we're going to make a, we're going to do everything we can to make a one-term president. It's like that, it's like that wasn't for the American people. That was for their agenda and for their lobbies. And, and it's like that to me is, is probably one of the, the, the biggest disgraces you know, all these people. So I love all the women that have come into the politics. And it's like, you know what? We're going to take care of business. As I understand it, your your governor, um, your new governor, who's... Uh, gay, Jared Polis. Yeah, who, yeah, who's a gay man, has gotten more more legislation put through than any number of governors prior to him and has done a really wonderful job of doing this. Like, let's get to work for the American people, for the country. How can we, you know, it's not about making America great again. America is an amazing, amazing uh, conscious idea, you know. But it's like, you know, how can we, how can we make life better for the people that are here, the people that are coming here, the people that live, how can we make, leave the world a better place for you know, climate change for not gun control, but responsible gun ownership. How can we make it for, for, for all individuals to feel safe? You know, whether they're African American, whether they're Mexican, whether they're Armenian or, or Russian or, you know, whoever, Poles, Jews, whatever. It's like, how can we make this place people feel safe? You know, kids feel safe in school. I saw something great on Facebook. It's like, you know, we're, we're grateful. We want to give our thanks to all the, the kids in schools all over the country who have given their lives for the, for the NRA and for the gun, you know, for, for, for gun. It's like, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like, wow, yeah. that's, that's deep. All these kids that have given their life so you can, you can have your gun rights. You know, there, there was something really profound stated in that. But, you know, so as far as candidates are concerned, um, I love Marianne's message. I think it's great. I don't know. Uh, I I, um, I I sang for benefits for her when she was going into Congress. I've sung for her a number of times. I love Marianne. Um, I think that her, for me, her biggest um, her biggest offering is to to open the conversation and the dialogue. Yeah. I think that the Ministry of Peace is a brilliant idea. 
Um, um, uh, I'm, you know, I loved Bernie when uh, in, in the last election, and it's like I voted for him. And it's like then, you know, what happened? It's like whatever happened at the Democratic convention, you know, that he got screwed or however that was. But it's like, you know, the, you know, just like not saying to his his constituents, say, hey, we've got we've got to at least make a stand. I'm not going to be in the House, but it's like, don't just not vote. Because right. that didn't serve anything. Because that's why we're in the predicament that we're in now. And I don't know that Hillary could have done any better because she's got her energy but it's like god bless hillary the truth of the matter is you know um, a woman in politics you know if she's strong like a man she's going to be referred to as a bitch yeah you know if she's strong like a man and she's passionate and she stands her ground and she does that and it's like they're going to frame it and the propaganda that they put up about her um i mean it's just it's ridiculous what people believe you know um Buttigieg, whatever, however his name is. Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. <laughs> that's that's the best way to put it. Yep. You know what that man has done? He's got some credentials. Yeah. And he went and served, and it's like, and he's 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 you know, I mean, he's a gay, openly gay man, which which I admire. And someone said recently that we will probably have a gay uh, a gay president before we have a woman president, which I think, I mean, it's mm. sad to even hear that. But I and not not that because he's gay, but it's like, man, let's just find the person that's going to galvanize the energy, energy of the country, right? To so all are served. Gender and sexuality really ought not Should to play not any factor in Should in any of these decisions. Yes. I think we agree there. You know, it's uh, I, I I like Mayor Pete. He's it's interesting because he seemed well. All I know mm-hmm. is that. He's a good-looking guy who has done good and looks good. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard any substance. I haven't heard any policy, and I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a bad thing for Mayor Pete right now because I don't want another it's my way or the highway. I'm going to do – this is what we've always done. I don't want another rubber-stamped right. – Democrat, lifetime, long-term, old fart, white guy, Democrat. Right, right. right. I want somebody that can galvanize the youth, that can inspire and motivate the youth to stand up and live their truth. Yeah. And and be a beneficial presence in whatever issue, Mm -hmm. whether it's guns or parenting, gay rights, whether it's just human rights, whether it's... Um, pick any letter out of the initial alphabet you like. Mm-hmm. Stand up for what you believe in. Be real. Be responsible. Be be authentic in what you believe in. And I, it comes back to that Margaret Mead, right? Nothing can change the world like a group of small committed in, a small group of committed individuals. Right. Well, I think it's time for a large group of committed individuals mm-hmm. to change the dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I like about what we're about to experience in these in these debates if we can keep from ripping each other's heads off. And honestly, I just did it, folks, right? I just told you I don't want to see another old white Democrat, and I made somebody wrong in my own. So I got to work on my stuff as well a little bit. But I'm going to invite you to go work on your stuff, figure out what your issue is. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, I this is, the truth of the matter is this is an amazing world. And we have so much to learn from one another. It's like, it's one of the things that I, I love about, you know, getting to agape and 
and and Ernest Holmes and how he studied all the world traditions and recognized um, the the commonality of what we have. You know, I, I wrote a song called God's Box based on a, a, a talk mm -hmm. that uh, I heard Michael Beckwith give years ago. And he said, you know what? The infinite nature of God is too large to fit in anybody's box yeah. of what God is. And the truth of the matter is it's a, it's a cultural thing, whether you're Hindu, whether you're Muslim, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a tree hugger or whatever it is. It's like the, the, the idea is that you find something, that infinite presence that, that you connect with, that you drop into, that you uncover from the inside out, that you find that and, and, and you pray to or you pray from that source and, and whatever resonates with you in your life to live your best life. Suspend judgment of the way that anybody else does it. If anything, go and find out about other people's prayers. You know, I've had the luxury of praying with people from so many different faiths. And the common theme is, may our crops grow, may our family live in peace and live in health and safety. Yeah. That's the consistency that goes on. That's the thread that goes on. And it's like, you know, the, you know, the, the, the Christ consciousness is everywhere. It's in Hinduism. It's in Buddhism. It's not just in Christianity. The Christ conscious, it's a consciousness. It's the infinite nature of God that's in us all. And it's like, how can we take that and galvanize that and not look at another in the way that they worship or celebrate their life? Because if someone's worshiping and celebrating God and in their life, it's like their, their intention is not to harm anybody. It's to live their best life. It's to 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 be centered, to be grounded, um, to 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 love and to be loved. You know, it's like it's basically the golden rules is a common thread through all the the the, the sacred traditions. Yeah. There's no there's no sacred tra tradition. You know, there's it's the small minorities, uh, fanatics, both in Christianity and the Muslims and. It, it, Whatever it is that are that are saying it's like you know our way is the right right way and mm -hmm. you're going to hell or you should die because you're not one of us kind of thing. It's a really small minority, so it's allowing the the majority of people that want to live a peaceful life, that want to live a life of love, that want to live a life of inclusivity, that want to live a life of authenticity, and that want to welcome people rather than you know push people away. You know, that's what we're looking for. Those are the people we're looking for to stand up yeah. in life. And it's like, who's who's the candidate? You know, Republican, independent, Democrat, doesn't matter to me. It's like, who's the person that can galvanize the, 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 the energy and inspire people to want to go out and do something good for their country and leave this pl place better than they found it? I felt that I felt that way about Obama. I felt like he had that galvanizing energy. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, is I feel like uh, he who shall not be named has galvanized an energy as well. It's just not the as energy that I resonate with because it is, it is of us and them. It is of we're right, we're the baddest, we're the strongest. You know, it's 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 this puffing out. You know, you know, my my Johnson's bigger than yours kind of BS. It's like you know. I still go back to Jimmy Carter because I mean, I know a lot of people got energy, but <laughs> you know what? He was the most honest, authentic. Oh yeah. You know, he was like he still was the is. real deal. And the books that he's written, the book that he wrote about separation of church and state, is profound. 
because he understands it and he's a Bible scholar, but he understands the necessity. We don't need a theocracy here. You know, when the Christian right that, that is in there, it's like, <laughs> it does not belong right. in politics. Separation of church and state. We are not a Christian nation. We are a nation of religious freedom. Yes. That's what we are. We are not. We might have a lot of Christians here, but we are not a Christian country. We are a country of religious freedom. That's in the foundation. Yes. That's in the foundation of what was created. And quite, on, quite honestly, there were a lot of Unitarian Universalists that were founding fathers of this country because they saw what religious persecution could do. Could do. Wow. Well, thank you, Jamie, so much for being with us. We've about run out of time. I, I think as you're listening, you could tell uh, this man, I, we could sit here and go on for hours and hours and hours, but uh, we've both got all kinds of stuff to get to, um, including that great prom that great lunch I promised you. So, uh, Jamie, fill us in just a little bit. Tell us a little bit. How can people stay in touch with you? What's the best way to connect with you? Um, your music's on YouTube and and all that, but um, how to, how, how's the best way for people to to stay engaged. Um, my email is J-A-M-I-L-U-L-A at gmail.com. My website is www.jamilula.com, jamielula.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. Um, uh, and and, and a great and actually very good posts on Facebook. I will say that. Um, check out Jamie's feed. It it. it it's not the doom and gloom that, uh, um, that a lot of people post out there. It's good stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are those are the best ways. You know, seek me out. I, You know, my intention and Floyd and I's intention and my individual intention is to move beyond. It's like I love the New Thought Churches. I love them and I'll sing anywhere that people invite me. You know, let's find a way to take and create a weekend and stuff. But my intention is to move beyond the walls of those communities and to find the secular communities. Hence this squeaky wheel tour in October and November right. that I think is so important because it's I think it's going to introduce us to some other communities. Because like this message is like we're kind of preaching to the choir here. Right. And I love that because I love this particular choir that I'm singing <laughs> um, in Unity Churches and Centers for Spiritual Living. It's been it's been such a, a blessing for me. But I'm looking for more um, festivals and conferences and, and, and whatnot to sing, to reach new audiences, to mm. bring this message. Because I think that the message in this music uh, will help draw people to um, our teachings. And if not to our teachings, hopefully it will, it will, it will bring them to the greater truth of their life from the inside out. Mm -hmm. That's my intention. Wow. Thank you, Robert. Yeah. Appreciate it, my brother. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. So there, you know, you hear it. There it is, folks. If you're an event planner, if you're a corporate trainer, if you've got some influence out in the world uh, where you're get in touch with Jamie, get him, get Gary, get him and, and Floyd Lula, Gary Lynn Floyd to join, get what, get, bring this stuff into your world. Um, and it sounds like you're going to be out there doing the good work, continuing to good, do the good work. I love that. Uh, again, I appreciate you being here. Um, I've got uh, now I've got the new album. I'm going to go listen to that a little bit uh, here. And uh, please come back again because I think we could do this again and again. Uh, you're a great voice and a great talent in the new thought world. And I so appreciate that you're stepping up, stepping out and ready to go out into the bigger world yeah. and share this message. Yeah, I'm, I'm also I'm speaking and singing. I'm actually doing music and message in a lot of places too, uh, both keynote and 
in in spiritual community, which has been a blessing because there's yeah I realized like you've said earlier it's like this is my ministry, this yeah. is my ministry, and uh, you know whether it's in twelve step whether it's it doesn't matter where it is it's like if people can hear it and they're open to it, you know I'm I'm willing to share it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Peace and blessings, dear one. That's Jamie Lula, and we're New Thought 2020 and beyond. Until next time, go forth and prosper.